Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the uh, Rego to my Drogon. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Yep. And, and our very own Viserio. That's right. It's Eric Ronovic. Eric, how does it feel to be the dragon named after the Weasley older brother? Well, uh... I don't know. I came back as a dragon, so that's pretty good. Yeah, you came back as an ice dragon. Remember when you got hit by that spear? Yeah, everyone, and everyone, everyone was like, can you believe it? And I'm like, do you not see this coming? Kevin's <laughs> confused. Ke- Kevin's like, Kevin's like, I kind of care about this show. I'm tangentially interested, uh, but I don't have HBO because it's like not worth the money. And you are correct. Uh, HBO, HBO is basically begging you. If, and the credits of Game of Thrones, like, after it ended, they showed, like, a bunch of trailers, and they're like, please don't cancel. Please. We have so many other shows. Bad news for them. Please. All please these movies cancel. that are coming out this year, we may get them next year. Don't don't you don't you want to see uh, the His Dark Materials show? Please don't cancel. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch is in this trailer for Westworld Season 3. Please don't cancel. I know which one of those caught you. Yeah, well... I wasn't even. I guess. I guess now Nathan's watching Westworld. I was not even. Gonna, I was going to give up on Westworld after season two. I was like, "This is bullshit. I don't like the show anymore." And then, uh, well, they put Marshawn Lynch in the trailer, and I'm I'm back on board, baby. Let's go. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about news as it was for the last week. The biggest news. You ready for this? Coming out of Seahawks is there's like a bunch of guys who had secret surgeries, sneaky surgeries, as I like to call them. Secret surgery. We had uh, sneaky the surgeries. Secret surgery. Okay. Is Eric, ACL. did you hear about? Did you hear about any of these sneaky surgeries? Yeah, I heard about the uh, the unfortunate Chris Carson news. Chris Carson. Had everyone a, is making a like a grimace face when they hear this. Um, it's not great. News. He has some things cleaned up. Yeah, but but Kobe Bryant had like the same kind of like knee scoping things. He did it like every year and was still fine. So, so did Doug Baldwin this last off season. So I'm uh, and Doug was okay. It's not okay to he, say he was okay. Come on. Okay. Did you, did you see there are some other secret surgeries? Okay. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me more. Break my uh, heart. Jaron Reed had a had a sports hernia surgery. Oh. Doug also had a sports hernia surgery. <laughs> uh, so if we're just we're just adding to the. Uh, Here's the thing. Doug had all the surgeries, so it doesn't really count. Doug had these surgeries for them. Doug was the portrait had, of Dorian Gray for every every sack Russell Wilson hit. It just hurt Doug. You got to hear another one. There's literary another, reference in your face. There's another big one, guys. Brad had a knee surgery, knee, uh, like a offseason knee surgery, just like Carson. That's not surprising. Um, Especially when you look at how Brad dropped off. I mean, part of that's because he wasn't playing next to Earl Thomas, but part of it wasn't. Well, look at what we did in the draft. We drafted a running back when, you know, it kind of made sense losing Mike Davis. Um, and then we drafted two safeties. Uh, granted, one of them is going to play nickel. But um, kind of, we, we did the same with the receiver, and we lost Doug. Seems like the Seahawks knew what they were doing. I'm really sad because we lost Mike <clears throat> Davis right when I had the perfect nickname for him. All right. Eric, the... Uh, I see that beautiful picture you have up, Nathan. Yeah, that, big the, Mike the, Williams. I the, felt like medium Mike Davis was exactly right. So, Eric, the, the NFL, the Seahawks subreddit, the most upvoted post of the last week was about, um, can we bring back these uh, throwback uniforms? And uh, It's the, the, the silver pants with the old school uh, blue tops. Oh, and the old school uh, helmet. That Eric, helmet. Can you explain the dumb NFL rule that makes it so that this is not possible so people can can understand why, why they don't do this? Here's the thing. Uh, so, you're only allowed... Uh, you're allowed a home away, an alternate that you can wear twice, Yeah, which is our wolf grays. However, you also get a bonus one night a year Thursday night uniform. 
uh, the dumb NFL rule is what I just explained. What about the dumb Seahawks choice to say, you know what, let's go with that ugly green color rush. And if you are a female out there and you own that green color rush jersey, don't at me. That's for you, Nathan. <laughs> Eric, Eric's like, Eric's like, don't. I don't want to be it's, your friend if you love color rush. Seriously, it's it's. Um, the, I can't the, the, watch the game. The it's dumb rule though, is I'm that old. you're not he allowed swipes to have the not gonna sleep with you direction. The dumb rule. The dumb rule, Eric, <laughs> is that you can't have more than one helmet color. Oh, yes, which that actually too. that is a rule. But how come the Steelers had two helmets last year? They they cha- you can change the decals. You can't change the base color. Oh, see, look at you, Nathan. I didn't even know that. See, so if our if our base helmet oh. was silver, we could we go we could, wolf gray we could on use the base the, helmet. We could use the the silver helmet, the old school silver helmet. But you can't. It's so disappointing. You can't use it because look at all the teams that could profit from this: the Patriots, the Bills, the Us. That's it. Um, but that's also Falcons. Three really big sales teams. There you go. And Let's then, profit away. Come on, NFL. Uh, OTA started. There's lots of stuff out there, but basically, you know, it's the same thing we're hyped. The same things we're hyped for before, right? We're hyped to see DK Metcalf in action. Yep. We're hyped to see CJ Procise back on the field for his first obligatory ten reps. Um, it's just all, it's all good news. Um, we're, we're hyped for the backup quarterback battle between Geno Smith and Paxton Lynch. It's the That's uh, it. it's the cast off championship. Who's who can do it? It's the battle of disappointment. Yeah, it's, that sums it up basically. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, let's talk about the big the, the biggest thing most Seahawks fans want to talk about this week is the fact that the Buccaneers uh, they got rid of all pro level defensive tackle um, Gerald McCoy, and so Gerald McCoy is really good at football. He was drafted third overall in the NFL draft. He's been a uh, top player for basically his entire career, including even last season, which many people consider to be one of his weaker seasons. He was still 31st best defensive lineman, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, so, first of all, from a football perspective, I think we all are in agreement that there's no way you don't want the guy, right? Just uh, Joe McCoy, expert large human. Who is coming off a contract where he may want to win more and take a little less money. Well, he's been playing for, he's played, what is it, eight seasons for Tampa Bay. Um, for the lesser has, of the two 79 expansion teams. He has over 50 career sacks from the middle for a team that's done functionally nothing the entire time he's been there. He's such a good pass rusher for interior defensive lineman. Yeah, uh, he's he, a massive three-tech that can shut down the run, but is still a really good pass rusher. Yeah, so the Seahawks are a logical fit for him, although it is kind of doubling up um, with Jaron Reed. Although... They're both flexible enough, talented enough football players that I think you can play them on the field at the same time. They're also both people that can play uh, three-tech or nose. That's the thing. um, Okay, here's the thing about McCoy for me. I don't think there's any chance that some team isn't offering him like 335 or 228, and those numbers just don't really work for the the current timeline and strategy of the Seattle Seahawks. If it's 330, <laughs> do you take it? 330 is tough. Um, if with, it's 330, but it's like 12 this year, going down towards 8? 12 would be like the rest mm-hmm. of our cap this year. That means we're definitely not getting Bobby's contract done until next year. Uh, that which is rough. which in the chat you sounded something like you didn't want that to happen anyway. Thirteen seven. Okay, we can talk about that. Fine, you can you can call me out. Put me on. I will the spot. absolutely. All That's right. That's up for Patreons. Uh, you could get early call out if you join our Patreon. Yeah, you could call me out on it yourself. You could just say what the what the f are you talking about? Um, because I think that was kind of a worth. But okay, Bobby Wagner's twenty eight. I would say he has about three to four peak years left. 
and then we'll see after that. You never know. When a guy turns 32, it doesn't matter what position they play. It's always, uh, it's it's at best a 50-50 proposition. His skill set indicates a potential for a gentle decline, but you never know. Let's you just never know. Bobby has. Okay. So Bobby at 28, he said today that he wants to uh, keep resetting the market. That that CJ, he wants yeah. that CJ Mosley money. $17 that's, million dollars a year. That's fair. Okay. Even though I don't want to give him that. It is a one. Does he deserve the money? Let's just start that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's a fact. hundred percent for the next three years for sure. Um, he yes, that is a that is a fair deal for for Bobby. My problem with it is that that's a lot of money to give one guy on a defense, and it's it's tough. It's, t- it's a t- you have to make a decision. The Seahawks have been burned giving out third contracts pretty bad. Um, basically, every third contract they gave out was a total flop. Um, Russ will be the, they already gave one out to Russ and we'll see how that one works and I'm I'm very optimistic on that one because quarterbacks can play to 42 Tom Brady but uh, <laughs> and Drew Brees also is like these guys can play forever but I don't know I'm just I worry that heading into his age 29 season it's 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 tough it's tough to go to that guy and say hey we're going to pay you a ton of guaranteed money and CJ Mosley's contract is 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 freaking stupid. His, his contract's bad. It's a bad contract. Like they're gonna. Their pay, GM got fired in part because of that contract. They are gonna pay him over the next five years: nineteen million, sixteen million, sixteen million, seventeen million, seventeen million. Now they do have an out after twenty twenty two, uh, before twenty twenty two, where they can only pay him three million in dead cap. So, I mean, it's pretty front loaded. It's basically a three year contract. Now, if you want to say, "Hey, we're gonna give him that three year contract those first three years." Or we're going to give him the exact same contract where we have a basically an out after three years. I can, I can, I can dig it. I, I mean, get that. Uh, Forty-three million guaranteed is a lot. It's 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 tough. It's all hard. It's all well, difficult, and I just don't. I that's why I don't get paid to be an NFL GM. But I just don't know about giving out a ton of long contracts. the The best teams in the NFL don't don't give out a ton of huge contracts to guys that aren't quarterbacks so the two parts of this are number one not to a ton of guys but this is one guy and this is a cornerstone of the defense but number two the team clearly is looking forward because they drafted um to build the linebacking core for the future in a way that would work both with or without bobby and i look at richard sherman leaving and I was a little shocked he got the deal he got from the Niners, but he has to earn that deal. I think in hindsight, if he wasn't disruptive, we may have given him that deal. Looking at what Earl got from the Ravens, no one was going to give him that deal, and the Ravens came out of nowhere and gave him that deal. I think somebody, maybe like the stupid Buccaneers, comes out and gives Bobby that money. The, okay, the, and that's honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm planting my flag right uh, there. The I Bucks think, will do that. Okay, putting two or three years on Bobby and. and McCoy's in the same spot. A guy who maybe you want to pay through their age 32 or maybe 33 but, season. But let's be, let's be, uh, let's take another, I'm going to look at it from a different angle too. I mean, yes, Quan Alexander got overpaid, CJ Mosley got overpaid, Luke Keekley, his extension is going to kick in at about 15 per uh, starting next year. And he's injured the, all the time. But the franchise tag number for um, for an inside linebacker is not going to be that high. It's going to be like 13 million. So the Seahawks have a lot of leverage to try to make this deal somewhat workable for them yeah to they can say hey we can keep you next year for for like 13 five and then we can keep you the year after that for you know for less than your probably your your average value here so ooh, he that's a dirty pool 
That's what you do. That's how I you get negotiate. it. I'm, I'm just saying, to like, it's gonna piss Bobby off. The pro- that's where it's rough having Bobby representing himself is that there's no buffer there to kind of take the personal out of it. It's gonna be personal because all the interactions are with Bobby. Yeah, absolutely. I. Uh, it's also it's when all rather, the other people were being jerks on the team. Bobby was like, "Suck it up." So real quick. Just as kind of a capper question, would you guys rather them beat the Mosley contract in overall dollars or in uh, average over year? Oh, average, oh. average over year. I'd rather have it be like like four with eighteen per, but have like an out after two years, something like that. Okay, you know? so like so I'm like, okay with that. Well, I just like don't know if that's guaranteed. realistic. So like forty guaranteed in the first two years are because I feel like guaranteed. part of what we're getting victimized by here as a franchise right now is that. The linebacker market was reset in a stupid way right. with two really dumb contracts that I don't think will get replicated. The Quan Alexander contract's also really bad. Yes, it's a bad contract. It's I do not understand what I feel what like the Mosley contract and the Alexander contract were bad contracts. But the thing about the Quan Alexander contract, it's the same thing though. They have an out after this year. Right. They only have to pay him like three million dollars. But that's but so you're basically going, hey, we're going to sign you to this really big deal that we don't think you're actually worth, and we're going to create a hole on our roster soon. So, and if you do, if you do end up being worth it, we, we might keep you, but we might cut you anyway because it's like so ridiculous. And so I think Bobby's smart enough to know, like maybe he could take a smaller number, but maybe he wants more guaranteed. And I can see like three years with a bigger guarantee. What's that number, Kevin? But the thing about C.J. Mosley's contract, Kevin, is like the first three years are like borderline fully guaranteed. So like nineteen, seventeen, eighteen. Is that what you said? Yeah, and it's like they're it's like nineteen, seventeen, seventeen, and it's like or seventeen, nineteen, seventeen. Yeah, and they they it's like all all the money is basically guaranteed. So for three years. yeah, so if we're gonna do that at three years, are you ready to plop down? What is that, Kevin? Nineteen, sixteen, sixteen. By the way. Okay. So is that thirty-eight? I do what seventeen a year for four years with an out after three. Yeah, I, I agree with Nathan. I think that's a contract I could do. They, by the way, that's $43 million in guarantees in CJ Mosley's contract. Yep. Yeah, if we're going to beat a, that. It's such a ridiculous no contract. Way. If the expectation is to beat 585 with $43 million in guarantees, it's just such a hard contract to beat. It's not a good... It's such a bad contract. And it's unfortunate because like the Quan Alexander contract, like money-wise, is probably what Bobby should be getting. Uh, with more guarantees, but yes. With more guarantees, but that contract. And it's because Bobby's the I would say, best middle linebacker in the NFL. I would say if you take the Quan Alexander deal and then like pump up the AYV a little bit and then double the guarantees, that's that's a deal I could totally live with. Is if you were just like, hey, you know, yeah, you get um you're getting, you know, four sixty for with uh with 40, 40 in guarantees, you know, I'd be like, okay, I can dig that. Yeah. That's way more tenable to me than what, what we're going to end up having to do to get him because it's stupid CJ Mosley contract. Or what about if it's Quan's contract, but it beats Mosley in guarantees, so it's like 45 guaranteed instead of 43 Oof, over know. four. That's just basically fully guaranteed. You might as well just fully guarantee the contract. I don't mind doing stuff like that, saying like, hey, we're going to pay you. Like three or four years fully guaranteed. We're going to pay you 345 or 348, but we're going to take care of you. This is going to be almost all guarantees. And you're just gonna you're you're not no matter what happens we got you. I think that's like the best case uh, coming out of this. I'm hoping that that's appealing to Bobby. If, yeah, if he wants it. Speaking of okay, so we're back on Gerald McCoy though. Gerald McCoy, we bar- we barely have enough cap room to get him. That's the first thing. Um, 
it's going to cost about ten million per year, I think, to get just to get him into your your team's uniform. Yep, and he's thirty years old, and he's older, thirty one actually. He'll be thirty one for the season, yeah. Yeah, he's his thirty one year old season, and I just it's uh it's a it's a big ask, I think. Um, I think renting him for a year or two could work if we can get him right around that ten number. I think a year or two rental to give us that pass rush from the interior to pair with Jaron Reed. Um, so that we can continue rebuilding the rest of the defense. He makes sense as almost like a stopgap star. Well, another thing to think about, too, is in 2020, we have almost $70 million in cap room. Yeah, we have all the cap room. Because, like, we, I mean, obviously some of that's going to get eaten up by what, whatever we decide to do with Bobby. But we have a ton of But a of lot cap of it's room. not getting eaten up. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of guys we're losing that I just don't. What if we did... They, uh, they range from mattering a lot to mattering a moderate amount. Like uh, the Your statement is why we are racking up a lot of mid-round draft picks and why I like this draft so much is because we really need to fill out a roster in next year. Like, next offseason is going to be all about, like, filling out a roster with functional depth. Yeah, yeah And younger, this was younger. a good draft for doing that. And another you think yeah th- yeah th- this year's roster is a little tight a little cap tight but next year we have tons of cap room and I think I said something in the chat which I'm going to expound upon here a little bit cap room's totally overrated um, you can't cap room's only good if you can find a way to use it and there's lots of teams like the Jets are a good example that will find really fun and interesting ways to blow a bunch of cap room because they just have cap room and like they got what are you gonna do you can't take a home it's with you it's like a mule with a spinning people, wheel people people <laughs> they don't know how they got it and they'll be darned if they know how to use it and when people say roll over the cap I'm like no <laughs> don't roll over rolling over rolling caps over the only, cap was really good back when the cap wasn't jumping by yeah, ten a year rolling over the cap is fine if like the cap's not gonna go up but if the cap's gonna go up. You can't. You don't really need to roll over cap to absorb big signing bonuses or anything like that. Like it just doesn't do as cap room is totally overrated. Or you could just manage your roster financially better. Another thing too is is like if you need cap room, like you can just get like 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 right now. It's a, the Seahawks convert some of Russell Wilson's money to Seahawks, signing bonus. Seahawks decide they want Gerald McCoy really bad, but they can't do it because they need cap room. Well, guess what? You just cut Michael Kendricks, cut George Fant, cut Barkevius Mingo. Look, there's ten million dollars. I did it. Like, it's not that hard to make cap room in 2019 NFL because all these contracts, there's a lot of guys who have contracts with very little guarantees. So you just cut them. Now, maybe the new CBA comes along and then makes that different. But as of 2019, the right now, cap room, you can make cap room if you really need it. It's not impossible to just stack up a ton of cap room. Cap room. So that that's my uh, that's my uh, cap room's overrated take. So I'm cool with getting McCoy if the figures come in around ten and it's for a year or two. Um, otherwise, it's like twenty eight two years of that guaranteed one year out. One year we can get out. No, I don't want two twenty eight. No, three twenty eight. But that third year we can get out if we want it. Three twenty. I don't think he would take three twenty eight. Probably that's not. But nine I would million do a it. year. Yeah, I don't think he wants. It. I think I, I think, think he'd rather have one or two so that he can establish value and get one okay. more like three year deal somewhere. Do the Colts have enough cap room? He's going to get a ten million dollar year offer yeah. from the Colts. Colts need everything the, on defense. The Colts, the Colts are going to walk up to him and say, "Hey, we'll give you." I'm going to look at how much cap room the Colts have because so I can give you an exact number. Uh, they have next year's Colts cap. The Colts, the Colts have almost forty million in cap room. There's no way they're not going to walk up straight up to Gerald McCoy and be, "Hey, buddy." Uh, we have a lot of like they gave Justin. They're going to give him twelve or thirteen million. Money. Like Justin Houston, but they were like, well, you know, we might as well blow eighteen five in one year on Justin Houston because who cares? Like we have tons. of So cap what's room. smart about them is where the Jets 
We're like, hey, let's blow a bunch of money on C.J. Mosley, and then we'll spread it out over 43 in guarantees over three years, and plus a couple more in the following two years. The Colts are like, let's just rent this player for one year. We'll overpay him for this one year that we have. Do you know how many anyway. guarantees? Okay, Justin, Justin Houston, do you know how much guarantees there is in his contract? He 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 got he signed an eighteen point five million dollar deal, or twenty four million dollar deal, and eighteen point five million of it was guaranteed. Okay, it's like he was basically like, yeah, if you make it all guaranteed, I'm in. I got you. <laughs> so like, if they cut him this year, they they get negative four and a half million dollars. Which for them, I mean, you which for the Colts might as well because they're like, hey, we're desperate for any pass rush. Cool. Yeah. So I that's the I think the Colts are the big the big impediment. We have to sell Gerald McCoy on the fact that we have a winning culture. Uh, we have a, a good team, and like a, it's a, Seattle's a good place to live, and there's no state income tax. And like, we play a good defense. Do the, you like fish? Those are the advantages that Seattle has over some have of... Have you seen Gerald McCoy? Of course, that the other thing, fish. The other teams. Uh, so, I think he likes a lot of things, Kevin. All right. Any, uh, anything, uh, anything else you got? Uh, no, I think we can go into the meat of right, the conversation, so, so we, we already kind of touched on. We kind of touched on, but our big thing is, is OTA start this week. And we want to start touching on some of the what we think um, are the is the biggest uh, positional battles. And the more we looked at it, the more we started to think we're gonna put you on notice. Yeah, the 2017 draft class. You are you are on notice. We're coming for you. No- oh. All of all of the <laughs> all of the 2017 draftees, I think, are on the potential the Booker T block reference for those minus minus two notable. Okay, Shaquille Griffin. They did not bring in any any cornerback competition. Shaquille Griffin's roster spot is a hundred percent safe. Chris Carson, um, I think we all agree. Um, Chris Carson completed his transformation into I'm a like searching this draft, and I realize you're just reading off all the names. So okay. keep going. So then now, people who I, we think are on notice. Let's start. Let's start with the wide receivers. Start with the wide receivers. Okay, David Moore and Marin Darbo. They are definitely well, on. No, one one more than you the other. You are definitely not ready for prime time. One more than the other. I mean, I think David Moore has an outside, very outside shot of making this roster. Amara Darbo was a player we took in the NFL draft. He was the third round pick. He was, a, two he guys was the third too. round pick. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Uh but we already cut him once and <laughs> we can do it again. Fool me once. Shame on Shame on. We can't get fooled again. Okay. Can't get fooled twice. Can't fool me twice. Yeah, I think Gary Jennings and John Ursua have really showed up in that rookie camp and, and impressed a lot of people. And then, of course, DK. I think I think Lockett's which, flexibility, where he's going to primarily be the slot receiver, actually opens up a better path for both Ursua and Reynolds to make it. Because then Tyler is both an inside and an outside guy. Yeah, and, and so more more is an interesting case for me. I have he really he does a thing. He really started off the season hot. He was doing really great, and then it. It, it did not get. He didn't do real great. It did not get better from there. I think in what was this in the last um, in the last five, uh, ten games? Didn't he have like only a couple catches? Here, let me look. Give me one. Give me one second to look up David Moore stats. Uh, he he had over three fourths of his yards in the first half of the season. It was uh, it was not good. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy coming out of a really small school. He was from a directional Oklahoma school. After week 13, he had four catches. <laughs> he had four catches. That sounds like a joke. That's not a joke. He was from a directional Oklahoma school. East Central, in fact, Kevin. He got targeted eight times in week 11. That was good. But then I, he did have that fun, that bad fumble in that game. That was kind of... He did. Uh, he, he actually kind of ended up going to fumble jail for a minute. Yeah, after I that. think that might have made it. That might be why. 
So think looking back at it, because he was really picking up, and then all of a sudden it was just like poof. Yeah, it's also gone. somewhat thrown off because he didn't really get much run at the beginning of the season. Like he got one target in the first three games, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, uh, we can give this guy. Uh, when we were busy trying to pretend like uh, Brandon Marshall had anything left in the tank, and then we decided that Brandon Marshall just had tank, and so we decided to roll out David Moore a little bit. Scrape that barrel. He got two targets in the Arizona game, and then he got a pretty steady uh, four to f- like four ish targets for most of the rest of the season. And he played mostly on the left. Um, he got uh, let's see. He was playing he the DK Metcalf position. Seventeen, seventeen of his twenty-five catches came playing on outside left uh, or caught on the left side of the field. Um, yeah. He really had two good games against Detroit and Carolina, neither of which had good secondaries. I'm just like it worked. Like I said, outside shot. He, yeah, he he, he had, had some low pet catch percentage games, which are really worrisome. It's like five touchdowns and 26 receptions is super unsustainable, and he only caught 52 percent of his passes, which is um, don't want to take this the wrong way, Jermaine Curse esque. Yep. Uh, so, but if Jermaine Curse is your fourth receiver. Yeah, that's that's fine. Bad. That's not too bad. A, a fourth receiver on a rookie deal, pulling a Jermaine Curse. That's that's a that's a that's a playable roster. I'm guy. very interested to see how these this this wide receiver thing shakes out. Because if he performs similarly to what we think we're going to get from Jaron Brown, then we'll just cut Jaron Brown, save money, and Jaron you know. Brown is it. So David Moore though. On notice. Mara Darbo, I think he's even past notice. He's past notice. He is past date. He, we, the milk has gone bad. He's got to have the greatest camp in the history of camps. All right. Uh, guard center tackle prospect, Ethan Posich. You're on notice. Posich, it turns out that if you're bad at three positions, that's not valuable. What What has Ethan Posich got to do to actually make this team? Uh, Ethan Posich has to show that we can move on from Justin Britt next year and put Posich in at center and save money. But Kevin, he was a pro football writers of America all-rookie team player in 2017. That shows poor judgment on their part. Yeah, I, I would tend he to. He was ridiculous. not very good that year either. He... We he started, kept trying he to started talk 11 games, and we kept trying to talk ourselves into it for sure. And we're like, I see kind of flashes before he gets pushed on his back. And then we saw competent line play. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. That that wasn't good. That wasn't good at all. Um, Bosich is going to be given every chance to earn a spot. He has the size, I think, that, that uh, Solari would prefer in terms of an interior lineman. And I think that he, I, I honestly think he does project best as a center. Dude, he he would he would be a big boy, like a really like large athletic center. He's the size of yeah. a house, but like Kevin said, he hits his butt way too often. And if he can only play center, then we have to make a decision if we're keeping Britt or not. He lacked power, which is something you, that you worry about with guards, especially. Do you in think Solari he's system. a holdover, Kevin, from like a like maybe better as a zone blocker than a than a power blocker? Like might might not be a perfect scheme fit anymore. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, I think actually, and this is why I keep projecting him to center. Body wise, he's really similar to Max Unger, and I just think that if you put him at guard, he's kind of got a bad body to be able to handle really powerful bull rushers. Whereas at center, you're usually doing a double team against power, and so 
he'll hold up better there. And something he does that bothers me, and just from a scouting perspective, his catch is he catch? Yeah, he, he's a catcher, not yes. a, not a not a. He no. doesn't fire his hands out. He doesn't put a pop onto the chest pads of yeah. the defensive guy. He his first step is backwards. And he tends to which, receive the pass rush. Which might work better at center than at guard, to be honest with you. That might be more okay. If your first step at center is backwards and you give a little bit of ground, if you're mostly, again, doing double teams or sliding over or whatever, that's fine. Like you said, though, if your first step backward at guard, then you're kind of stepping back into the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Which is tough with our quarterback because the closer you get to him, the harder it is for... I mean, he's just it's just rough. It's just rough. Okay, so Ethan Postich, we all agree, on notice. Mm-hmm. Okay, He's got to win a job. He's got to beat Joey Hunt. I think that's his best path to the roster is backup center. Um, I think guard is pretty stacked. Upati, Afedi, uh, Simmons, and Haynes, that's a pretty solid six. If that, we walk in four, with those I mean, four, I feel pretty good about our guard position. Yeah, I would I would say that um, Simmons, Haynes, Upati, and Fluker, that's like a really solid for and then Dimitri- he's got to beat joey hunt though i don't do you think joey hunt really has a chance to beat postage um i mean joey hunt's been on the roster for quite a few years for a really long time and postage they have to commit to postage moving positions just because we see him as the center doesn't mean that they see him as the center right they tried postage at tackle at first don't forget because he is six foot six yeah which is uh interesting joey choice. hunt though is not i don't care how long he's been on the team he's not very good I mean, postage isn't good either, but I don't, he always I don't looks like Joey like, Hunt to We all. always look like we're in trouble when Joey Hunt's out there. I would feel better about postage being our backup center. I agree. All right, 2017 defensive tackle, third-round pick, Nazaire Jones on notice. Th- this one this one hits home. This one hurts. They're Nas- even bringing it up. Naz Jones has to bring it this year. If he does not, there is a lot of competition for his job between DeMarcus Christmas, Al Woods, and Puna Ford. Uh, the, these guys are not, though they're not playing around. Like they're, these guys are going to try to take his job. So you mentioned some names there. And I think with Naz Jones, he's going to have to beat these guys out. I think if these other guys stumble, they're all getting cut, including Naz Jones. Like if everyone stumbles out of the gate and no one takes charge, we'll, we'll replace we him with ju- some other bodies. We just talked about a fact that, that the team is probably interested <laughs> in bringing in another defensive tackle. And there's a reason. Another, another thing is, a lot of the defensive ends we have on the roster can rotationally play some defensive tackle. I think Rasheem Green could do that at some point in his career. Quentin Jefferson definitely can. LJ Collier, LJ Collier seems like a guy who could play defensive tackle on a pass down. Um, so it, it's it's a it's a rough go uh, for him. Is that we have all these versatile defensive ends that can play DT. We have solid DTs, and I don't Nazar Jones just really didn't show up. Last year. Last year was... Um, the coaching staff clearly didn't trust Naz Jones. He didn't suit for a large number of games. Uh, he didn't travel for one, too, I think, which is never a good sign. He was healthy scratched in, like, four or five games? Yeah, he was getting scratched for, like, our fifth running back. That's awful. And that's that's not yeah, good. He was often on the inactives list, which is a... We don't want this guy to play no matter what. Which, that's a stupid rule that the NFL has. But in addition to being a stupid rule that the NFL has, it also tells you where this guy is on the pecking order for our roster. He played 139 snaps last year. It's just not a lot. Zero sacks. Um, he had two missed tackles in those in those few opportunities that he had, which is just it's tough. You don't he wanna... played fewer snaps, fewer games, and fewer starts than he did in 2017. There was clearly a step back there. In 2017, he looked so promising. Especially from a pass rush perspective. I think yep. he had 10 pressures in yes. like 140 pass rushes, which yep. is pretty good. And he got home two sacks from the interior. That's production. Uh should be three because of the Green Bay game. Um, yeah. All right. So Naz Jones, putting you on a little bit, putting you on notice. 
All right, and optimistic notice. I'm, I really want Naz to succeed. This is like my uh, my hope is that he just kills it because I think there's so much potential there. But it's it's uh it's, it's tough sledding. All right, and then the last two, of course, Delano Hill, Tedrick Thompson. When they drafted Marquise Blair in the second round, I'm pretty sure they just got put on notice. Um, I think they we all, literally drafted a guy who could play either person's spot. Yeah, we we Marquise is is raw. We all agree he's going to need some work. He over pursues a little bit. Um, yes, he's but he's a heat seeking missile man. When he's on, when it when it works, it's it's very very good. He is. <laughs> so I I'm excited for Marquise Blair, uh, and and that puts Delano Hill and Tedrick in a in a spot where they need to come out and they need to perform, especially Delano Hill. Yeah, uh, Tedrick Thompson has a few different paths to the roster with his skill set. Uh, Marquise Blair literally does Delano Hill's job. Yeah, uh, that's te- bad for them. Tedrick Tedrick was a good cover coverage guy. I mean, I definitely think he could stick around. And, and he has some corner experience, um, playing maybe playing back up in the slot or something like that. Delano has great ball skills. Like I think both these guys have high potential. I'm glad the Seahawks brought someone in to push these guys because they needed a push. Um, both these guys to get to the highest level that they can perform at. Yeah. And I hope that the always compete mentality of the Seahawks pushes both those guys. The notice that they've been put on, it makes them rise up, doesn't doesn't crush them under the weight of it. Because Delano Hill and Marquise Blair both could legitimately take some snaps at linebacker. Mm-hmm. They like they big, play with that mean, kind of versatility. I think you mean the the Seahawks big nickel, Kevin? A big nickel. Big nickel is like the coolest name for a former Yeah, big nickel. Next big sounds good, but nickel. Nickel sounds kinda dumb. Uh, I feel like this is a a push for um, so you know how you have it's a Bill Gates rap name Big Nickel. <laughs> you know you have a uh, guys that don't do too much and then they come in and they're forced to do a lot and that third season is when you want them to blossom. This is that third year for these guys and yeah. But with the push, I think it's a little it's an interesting chess move by Pete. It's, so if this you, draft class is, I'll be honest, this draft class, if something doesn't happen, I mean. A lot of these guys, this could end up being like a really bunk draft class if these guys don't, don't step up. We need the 2017 draft class to be good this year, or the Seahawks might be pretty mediocre. We'll have a lot of holes to fill. We were just talking about needing decent back end of the roster, decent depth. Having a couple of lost draft classes is a big part of why that could be a problem. If You, you know, we don't know if this year's draft class is done, but when you look at 2017's draft class and you read some of the summaries of the players by, you know, the... You know, the post-draft experts, they talk up this year's draft. The players of this year's draft are talked up higher. They'll be like, you know, Delano Hill, he's pretty versatile, but he's going to have to earn a spot on the roster. Ethan Posich, he's, he could be the, uh, you know, the replacement at center for Justin Britt, but he's going to have to earn the roster spot. He's pretty raw. These are things that, you know, here you have, like, this guy can immediately move into the nickel. This guy can immediately play linebacker. Right, like Ugo Amadi. We, we talked yeah. about this. That he's just ready He's ready to play nickel cornerback on day one. Um, LJ Collier, immediate base yeah. end. And we, like don't, just we don't know what we're going to do. We don't know if these guys are going to be great or not, but it's telling already that, you know, what 2017's draft class was. They have a more specific job set. I agree. And so... 20- 2017, oh, Malik I mean, McDowell. Malik McDowell is a big problem, too. I mean, we yes. didn't even mention it. But the 2017 draft class, the biggest problem is that the, the blue chip, the guy that we really wanted to have, that we brought in, I mean, had an unfortunate accident and is now out of the NFL. Like, that, that is the kind of stuff that can really um, mess up your, your plans. I mean, wouldn't it be nice right now if we had a strong pass rushing defensive tackle in the rotation? Well, it, what we would have right now is basically we'd have 
a better pass rushing LJ Collier, and we could have spent that draft pick on not LJ Collier, which would mean a big thing. All right. All right. What? what, what? So my big question: uh, pick one on one off. Who's the person you think is most likely to earn their spot, and who do you think is most likely? to be playing somewhere else in the NFL in September. And so the safeties? This is of the 2017 oh, draft class. Oh, the 2017 I mean, you draft. You can't pick Shaq Griffin or Chris Carson. You can't pick Shaq Griffin or Chris Carson because they're not uh, in questionable roster right. positions. My one on then, I think I'm going to go with Delano Hill. Um, Delano Hill really impressed me last season. I think that there's a lot there. I love the speed. I love the 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 uh, aggression and um, oh, yeah. and your one-off can't be Amara Darbo, because otherwise all of ours are Amara Darbo. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess that's true. I was going to pick Amara Darbo. So I, I'll go Naz. I think we all were. I go, I'll go Naz Jones. I think there's a good shot we bring Ooh. in defensive tackle competition or def- a veteran defensive tackle that gets cut maybe even later in the process. And uh, Naz Jones is in trouble, in my opinion. Um, it's it's a tough road. I mean, there are other guys, I think, that are in hotter water on the roster. Barkevious Mingo, Cough, uh, Cough. But uh, the the... Naz Jones is, is, is tough sledding. I'm hoping that Barcubes Mingo listens to this podcast and was inspired by that. <laughs> That's like my hope is that like that he pins that, like he plays that audio clip in his ears and is like, yeah, that I'm going to show that guy because I'm just a schmuck with a microphone. Uh, Eric. Uh, on Tedrick Thompson. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of hanging your hat on one of the safeties. I'll go there. The, the one off, David Moore. Oh, I just I feel like he has an outside shot at making this team, and it might be too far outside. And uh, I really like our. I don't know. I'm I'm more interested in Nursua than I am David Moore at this point. But I would really like to see, uh, and I know I don't know where you're going, Kevin. There are some guys on this list that I really want to see hang around, like uh, Naz Jones mentioned by Nathan. Uh, I think Tedrick Thompson has no problem sticking, and I also think that. Of all the players on this team that will that are most likely to take a big step forward, I think Tedrick's that guy. Alright, I could see that. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going heads up against Nathan here. My guy who stays is Naz Jones. Okay. I think that Naz Jones offers more pass rush upside than a lot of what else we're looking at at defensive tackle. This is especially true if we can't get McCoy. But even with him, I think that Naz Jones's upside is our fourth best defensive tackle. Uh, third or fourth, depending on what you think about Puna. I personally think the world of Puna. So saying that he's has less potential than Puna Ford is no slight. But that's true. In my opinion, at this point, I'm more excited about the potential of Puna Ford than... I think Puna Ford... Puna Ford's a guy I would have been really happy to pick in, like, the fourth round, third yeah. or fourth round. But Puna Ford is a guy that, when we did our UDFA things, we were like... This, oh, we were amped. This is, Jarrell Casey. this is a Jarrell Casey small guy people mover that they just got overlooked. Okay. Um, so, my guy who I think is out... Yeah. Um, Delano Hill. I think that Delano Hill has the least secure roster spot. I think that he's the least firm in what he's doing. And you know, when a guy doesn't really have a role and there's a guy drafted who could take his place, the only thing that could keep uh, Delano Hill uh, gainfully employed is that we don't have a ton of safeties. So it depends on if we're keeping four or keeping five and whether or not Amadi's considered a safety or corner. See, I just looked at it from a competition element. element. I just don't think there's, a, there's enough safeties on the roster. 
<coughs> to really to really challenge that. Sorry about that cough headphones users. Um, all right, one more question from the uh, the audience here. Um, so Kung Fu Puna Mixelio Mike uh, says, "What's a realistic ceiling to hope for out of a rookie wide receiver season?" Well, the ceiling is <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr.'s rookie season: ninety-one receptions, about one thousand three hundred and five yards, and twelve touchdowns. I think it's an unrealistic ceiling. In the last four games of that season, he averaged ten catches for one hundred and forty yards a That's game. So dumb. Um, yeah, he's and really he was good. being thrown to by Eli Manning. A realistic though. Uh, Twenty ten. Mike Williams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 65 receptions, 964 yards. Uh, he had 11 touchdowns, which I think is an unrealistic expectation. But that's the realistic ceiling for me. For I'm guessing this is a question related to DK Metcalf. That's the realistic ceiling for me uh, in that terms. Maybe Kelvin Benjamin, 73 receptions for 1,008 yards. I'd be stunned if we had a 1,000-yard receiver, though, just because we never had Spread them. The we never had them <laughs> even when we had, like, Baldwin and uh, Tyler. Like, these guys still never barely – will either barely get to 1,000 yards or won't get there. <clears throat> I think if I think a great season for DK is over 700 yards, um, over 60% completion percentage, catch what, percentage. What about Julio Jones? 54 receptions for 959. That'd be a great year for him. Yeah, I would be so I'd be so excited. I take about that, that every day of the week. Yeah. Uh, Keenan Allen's rookie year. Uh, Keenan out oh, too good. Every That's, every every day of the week. It's never gonna happen. Seventy one receptions for one thousand forty six yards on a hundred and one targets. If I'll tell this, if DK Metcalf uh, gets a hundred and one targets, um, I'll, I'm buying I'm really buying someone funny. a beer. Like I, there's no way I'm that's buying happening. Schottenheimer a beer. <laughs> yeah, it's like I just um, there's no way that happens. I think as far as like a guy like Jennings, uh, if he's you know, I think if we get like seven hundred yards out of Metcalf and you know four or five hundred yards out of Jennings. That's a really nice year for a pair of rookies. By the way, that says that they've grown into a really good roster spot. Keenan Allen, he didn't. He only got uh, twenty nine receiving yards in the first three weeks too in that season. <laughs> that's like that's just stuff like that just blows my mind. Keenan Allen, good know? at football. Oh my gosh! Turns out, oh, he ran a slow forty though, so he uh, dropped in the draft. Okay, um, yeah. Did he also that's slip during his? Three cones, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that's so. The realistic ceiling is Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham is the best. Also, do you also Odell Beckham got drafted kind of low in the draft. One twelve is is. I mean, I felt like talent wise, that's. I mean, you can make the the attitude concerns or whatever, but I hate stuff like uh, that. Odell Beckham. The thing was that he played for LSU, and LSU doesn't throw the football to their wide receivers. Keenan Allen got picked seventy sixth overall, like. What is wrong with people? Coming from a bear raid offense, so no one believed in cow receivers. You want to know a great rookie season, though? Marcus Colston, 2006. 252nd overall pick in the seventh round. Marcus Colston went 70 receptions for 1,038 yards and eight touchdowns. And won me my fantasy league because he qualified as a tight end for some reason. <laughs> never, never, I will never forget that. that Someone just so looked weird. at his measurables, that's why. It's because he's, yeah, he's built like, well, he played some tight end in college, I guess, but this, that's so stupid. It was the dumbest thing ever. He's a very large man. He's huge, six foot four, like 225. He's, he's a big boy. You know who else is about 6'4", 225? DK Metcalf. You know that he um, is like the minority owner of like a bunch of, uh, uh, like uh, prof- arena league football teams, good for him. Like the Atlantic City Blackjacks, the Albany Empire, the Philadelphia Soul. He owns. He partially owns all three of those. And that's AFL not very teams. popular. That's why they allow one owner owning multiple teams. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's super it weird. Turns out no one else wanted to own him. Well, he probably got drafted in the seventh round because he ran a four five forty, and that and people are stupid. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
I I just want to I just want to bash on measurables for a little bit because it just I I don't get it sometimes. Uh, measurables are a thing. Tape is also a thing, and if you go only with one of those things, you're Al Davis. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> so you put it on the overhead projector. You want to help out the Seahawks Nest podcast? There are many ways to do so. Uh, our favorite way is head over to patreoncom Nest. and for as little for as a dollar twenty-four a month, you can grow, join our group chat and also get our in-season betting podcast with our first episode coming soon with NFL over unders. We'll probably start that. When we do our second preview, so we're about probably it'll about be a, like towards the less, middle of June, it's probably less than a month away. I would say, or right about a month away, we'll do our NFL over unders. Uh, we'll talk about which teams we like, which teams we don't like, and that'll all be available on the Patreon. So if you want to do that, head on over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest and be like the following people. Can you tell I'm corpsing a little bit because it's loading slow? Forrest, Chuckatilla, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Bob, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Flockmas, Prime, Keith. Arthur, Frank, Michelle, and Nick. Also, Gavin, Richard, Matt, Michael, Josh. Oh, there's a Eggers double. There's all these all kinds of awesome people on here. Okay, um, so those are our patrons. If you don't have Patreon and you want to help us out, head over to Twitter.com. Tweet give us, us a follow. Uh, tweet us. Well, we I'm trying to I'm trying to post every week, like right before we record on Tuesdays. Hey, you want to want us to talk about something? Just tell me, I'll talk yeah. about it. Appreciate the interaction, um, you guys. Uh, I love everyone's kind of ready to just throw something down, uh, even if it's last minute. It's been really nice to have that extra interaction. And then we will uh, be more active because you're more active, and Twitter, we care about you. Twitter's cool. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, although I don't check it. And then <laughs> uh, none of but, us have a Facebook, but so you got rid of Facebook finally. I thought you just kept it like well, as like a was Kevin ever like a, active like on a, Facebook? Like a thought exercise. <laughs> uh, I don't remember if I, I don't think I bothered to delete it. I just don't do it. Yeah, okay, and then um, you could also give us a, a review on uh, iTunes. We are at fifty, and they are all five stars, which is just insane to me. Um, thank you for yeah. all. The, thank you for all the support. Nineteen uh, really, away from the dream. Really appreciate it. 19, Go find nineteen ni- friends. Everyone. Ni- nineteen more, and uh, Gronkowski will be proud. And uh, you know what? I just want to make the Gronk proud. I don't, I don't love the Patriots, but I love the Gronk. Um, did, did I? Did, I mentioned the podcast. The Gronk said, "I'll be there if Tom needs me." What a, yes. What a, what a weird thing to say. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, Actors. So I hope the Gronk is there if Russ needs him. Oh man, that'd be best. If we the Seahawks got the Gronk. Oh man, I would. Yeah, part- don't don't entertain these dreams. I would party. It's not gonna happen. I would party, bro. Okay, um, yeah, it's never gonna happen. So, movie club. We had a lot of options this week. Uh, a lot of different directions we could go. We could talk about like something because Aladdin comes out this weekend. Um, we could talk we could about open up a whole new world of options. We could talk about um, <laughs> crickets. I love Bright, it. Brightburn comes out this week. A James Gunn, a James Gunn uh, produced joint. We can talk about that. The second baby, best Superman movie. But, but I don't care about any of that. Any of that. No, nope. the movie that comes out this week that I want to kind of casually mention and then go into a different tangent completely is, is Booksmart comes out this weekend, which looks I mean, like looks decently which, which looks like and is reviewed as a female super bad. So I just want to talk about super bad. Which Fair. is which is my wife's favorite. We are talking about Superbad? Yes. Oh. I think one of our early films we talked about was We Superbad. talked about it like less than six months ago. No way. Yes. This is uh, why I should... So Nathan's I, favorite movie. All right. A little behind the scenes here, guys. I used to maintain a spreadsheet where I kept track of all the movie club movies. And I used to like write every week like, this week we talked about this. And then I, uh, and I stopped doing that because I'm like really uh, lazy. And... <laughs> 
And uh, this is this it is wasn't that like moment. you were too busy. You just felt like surfing the internet about something else. We also started doing things a little bit more off the cuff with off the cuff with movie club, like it Denzel Eliminators. Being, yeah, <laughs> well, we were Denzel Eliminators. All right, fine. So we're gonna do an Eliminator then. Uh, <laughs> oh, you will you, it be bizarre because. All right, so this is the best one today. The trailer dropped for Once Upon a Time in oh. Hollywood. Uh, Kevin. Did you watch the trailer? The new uh, one? I did not watch the new trailer. I saw the original trailer. Okay. The what teaser. Do you, what do you think? Uh, I think that it looks like they like captured an era. I'm really interested. Uh, Tarantino, as he gets more established, really likes the smell of his own farts too much and needs to, <laughs> uh, needs to believe in editing a little bit more. But I'm going to watch it. Like, right. I'm going to be there in theaters. Okay, so we're gonna do a Tarantino Eliminator, and I'm gonna do something that uh, that I really like to do, which is I'm going to include a couple movies that weren't directed by him but were fully written by him. So I like that. Uh, we're gonna do Reservoir Dogs, True Romance, Pulp Fiction, From Dusk Till Dawn, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill One, Kill Bill Two, Grindhouse, Death Proof, uh, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight. And we're going to just eliminate Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We already mentioned it. Okay. What about Four Rooms? Well, I don't want to do Four Rooms. Good. Because I'll eliminate it first. He did, Yeah, he did a segment. The Man from Hollywood segment. Yeah. I, I just was... It's, it's fine. Just want to throw it out there in case people will, you know... Also, those variety movies, I don't feel like you can... Like, as is, uh, the Grindhouse thing is a little bit... I think Grindhouse, the Grindhouse Death Proof thing is fine. Yeah. D- Death Proof? Okay. But I'm saying, like, that's about as on the edge as it gets for me. Death Proof is, like, 113 minutes long. Like, I, I have to... It's a movie. Yeah, I'm not saying it, that you have to like it, but you do it. Should we now? Should we include a, a movies he acted in? He was in Little Nicky. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, uh, well, in that case, the, why would we bother this? Because Desperado's going to. All right, I'm going to spin the magic pen, and the first person to eliminate will be Kevin. Kevin, what Tarantino movie are you eliminating? Oh goodness! And just so you, just a little bit behind the scenes, there, I literally threw a pen on the ground. He did to decide who was going. <laughs> and first. he decided it was going to be a magic pen because he looked at his desk. He's like, first thing I saw was a pen. Now this, it's magic. Premier Blue Cross isn't going to cut it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I've been playing. Yeah, I've been playing with my healthcare <laughs> card the whole time. <laughs> a, little, a little behind the scenes here. I have ADHD, so I have to fiddle with something, and I'm trying to pick something. He's trying like, to do something that's not loud for once. Exactly. <laughs> trying to fix. I pick something silent today. You could have got <laughs> chips in the microphone. Are right, you want to run over the movie again? Reservoir Dogs, True Romance, Pulp Fiction, From Dusk Till Dawn, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill 1, Kill Bill 2, Death Proof, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, or Hateful Eight. Uh, let's go with Hateful Eight. Oh, man, that was my first wow. one. Off the top. All right, what, 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 uh, what, why is that the worst of these movies to you? Because it's the movie that inspired my comment about needing an editor. Um, Where okay. Kevin said he smells his feet too, his own but he feet does, too much. But he does have an editor. Same. It's Fred Raskin, dude. Well, Fred Raskin needs to edit more. Dude, he... Fred, Fred, okay, well, let me say, let me say this. <laughs> Fred can, Naps you, Raskin. You can talk about Fred Raskin's editing when you tell me that Fast Five is the best movie. <laughs> he edited that movie, okay? Yeah. I love Fred Raskin. He also edited Guardians 1, Bone Tomahawk, Guardians 2. Like, these are all awesome movies. Fred is Raskin just, rules. Uh, wait, is he Kurt Russell's personal editor? The problem, the problem with The Hateful Eight, is, nice. in my opinion, is not the editing. It's the, it's the overlong. It's the pacing. It's overly long. Uh, and I saw the Roadshow version, out. so it's like 187 minutes. Oh, is that minutes. the one they have on Netflix right now in like four parts? So 
Hateful Eight sure. Roadshow version, it, basically they released a special version in theaters that has more long shots of like just horses and, uh, and it has, mountains. Yeah. And, it has, and it has overture. It has the overture at the beginning. Like they're cool shots, but it was just a point. It was 19 minutes. It uh, didn't need to be added to. It was very self-indulgent, um, which is exactly my critique. Yeah, the movie is just very self-indulgent. And you're not, they're, none of the characters are very redeemable. Like I don't. I don't care about any or of these characters. Super interesting. I, I'm rooting against all of them, and at the end, so at the end of the movie, when they're all dead, I'm like, yeah, all right. I guess not. Not to sound like a jerk, but to me, this was just like what would happen if he went back and remade Reservoir Dogs after he stopped listening to people. Uh, um, so it does everything that Reservoir Dogs does like, in less appealing ways. Literally, the part of the movie I liked the most was when Channing Tatum came out of the basement, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Channing Tatum. Do you love Channing Tatum? Yeah, <laughs> I do love Channing Tatum. It's like, oh, it's so handsome. He's in this movie. He's funny, dude. He has legitimate comedic timing. I will fight anyone on this. And he is really handsome. Yeah, and he's very good looking. Yeah. He's- All right, you're up, Nathan. I'm up. We go. We go clockwise, buddy. You're you're Clock, up. clockwise. Why would you want to go counterclockwise? We always go this direction. We do now go you're switching. It. You're oh, yeah. All right, fine then. It's my turn, Jackie Brown. Okay. That was the other one. Um, it's just a. It's like it's not fine. a bad movie. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it's um, responsible for being the creepiest. I uh, I honestly wouldn't give Hateful Eight like a like a bad bad rating. Like I probably just give like a two and a half or a two. But um, does Jackie Brown suffer from lack of star power? Even though it has a lot of Okay, look, uh, surrounding cast. Elmore Leonard rules. So, like, Quentin Tarantino um, making an Elmore Leonard movie, like, um, Elmore Leonard book into a movie is, like, a, such a cool idea. But this movie just doesn't land perfectly for me. It's just not as good as it should There's be. There are scenes that feel like they should have been really, like, it's eye-catching, got, and they end up flat. And it's got Keaton and De Niro in it. Like, there's just... There's no reason this movie shouldn't be significantly better than it actually is. And I felt like after Pulp Fiction, you know, he kind of brought... John Travolta back from the dead and into the public eye again. I felt like he tried really hard to do that with Pam Greer. And it may have worked, but I don't know. I think he just had a crush on Pam Greer from his youth, and he was like, I gotta put her in a movie. Yeah, well... Yep. Okay. Uh, read Rum Punch, the book that it's based on. It's it's better than the movie. I don't say that lately. Alright, Eric, we got... This is really easy. Death Proof. It's, I think, the worst movie out of all of these... Um, I don't. I don't enjoy watching Probably. it. Yeah, and it's it's trying. As Kevin would say, it's trying to do a thing, but I don't like that thing. Uh, if you're gonna watch the the Grindhouse movies, just skip them all and watch the previews from the middle because those are the most enjoyable. I enjoy Death Proof. Like it's it's a fun watch, but there it's also kind of pointless. Yeah, it's just um, it's just like it's a thing. It's it's Tarantino. It's being Tarantino, Tarantino is like. He's he's like he's like oh it's so cool they can make these death proof cars you know so it's like a sl- you know it's like his version of a slasher film but the the slashing is that the guy has a car where he won't die but the other person will I don't know it's 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 definitely an odd premise and so it doesn't totally come together um, and the beginning is super boring yeah it's a little half baked yeah it's it's half baked for sure that's I I think that's the best way to describe it all right. Kevin, now now it's going to get hard because you got Reservoir Dogs, True Romance. Yeah, this is the part fiction, where we're going to make somebody mad no matter what. Till Dawn, Kill Bill One, Kill Bill Two, um, and Glorious Bastards and Django and Jane. All right, I'm going to go with Kill Bill Volume Two. Wow, that's my. I think Kevin, of all your elimination choices, that is your bravest choice you've ever made. No, come on, that was terrible. Kill, Kill Bill Volume Two. That was very brave that he did it, and very, I'm congratulating very him. Very brave. Oh my god. Bold, Kevin. Bold. I like it. Because of all the people in this room that trashed that movie, I trashed it the most. 
And that's why I think Kevin is very brave, and I appreciate it. He took one for the team right there, I took one I guess. for the team Ronabout. I, I really like Kill Bill Volume 2. I, come at me. I'm ready. Come at me, Eric. Yeah, the the said, last hour and a half where they're talking before she kills him, it, get the fuck out of here. Sorry, swear jar, it's he, movie club. He gave him the... He gave him the fi- she, gave, he gave, she gave him the... That's five great. Five yeah, that's great. And then they talk about... Uh, they spend 40, and, talking, and then 40 they, minutes and talking they spend about like 20 Superman, minutes getting and it's in touch not with believable. It takes you out of the movie. Uh, the whole thing Sonny with the... Sonny Chiba's in this movie, Eric. Yeah, yeah, the Grandmaster stroking his beard going, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that's awesome. Everything else sucks. Sonny Chiba's so sweet. Uh, I tend to agree. The Grandmaster scenes were kind of off. A bunch of things in this... Yes. A bunch of things <laughs> in this movie hit just left of center for me. Like, I don't know. I really, really liked Volume 1. I thought Volume 1... There, I'll, I'll just say it right now. Volume 1 might be my number one movie on this list. I don't... I don't and consider them totally hit it. I don't consider them totally to be different movies. You know, it's like volume one, volume two, but it's like the same. If you just watch it all as one narrative, I feel like it, it works really well. It's just got too long to be one movie. You know? I just feel like volume two. I it didn't end on the notes that I wanted it to. Like it's it's good. It's a good movie. I enjoy watching it. I I think I gave it a eight out of ten, which is a really high rating. Um, there's one movie I think I would rate lower that I didn't eliminate, but. Is it is Save it, my, it for me? Is it my turn now? Yes. Yep. I'm going to eliminate. Um, Kill Bill Volume One because you're spiteful. This is rough. No, this is rough. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't like, want to do yeah, this. These are all really good. I like movies. Movies, but I'm gonna go Reservoir Dogs. Ooh. Um, Reservoir Dogs is a good movie. It's super solid. Um, but it's uh, it's. It's definitely his first full feature length film. Like it's got it's got issues in my opinion, and um, yeah, that's just it's not my it's not my favorite of these of these films. It would have probably made my final three, but like honestly, I like all the movies left. There's so there's I'm a, gonna say that probably about all of them. One thing is about Reservoir Dogs for me is that there's it's better is is it's like a collection of cool ideas and scenes than it is as like. I, I agree the, with the co- that. The cohesive whole is not as good as the individual. Like they're highly quotable. There are very cool scenes in this movie, but then you like put it all together, and it's just not quite as good as it should be to me. And there's some cool ambiance pieces, like the radio station and everything, and the interplay between characters is interesting. Oh, and Chris Penn slays in this movie. I love he Chris does. Penn. Chris like, Penn's very I, good. He left us too soon. Um. All right. But yeah, I I I'm okay with it being eliminated here. Uh, I feel like there's a yeah, Eric. This is tough. I got two movies on this list that are just barking at me, and I feel like I'm going to eliminate the wrong one. Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Okay. Is All it right. because the ending's a mess? Uh, the ending is a mess, Kevin, but that didn't bother me too much. Uh, <laughs> there was a. My friend showed me this thing while it was like a meme, and it said uh, real life movie or true movie posters. It was uh, basically a movie poster that gave away something about the movie in the movie poster. And it was a picture for Inglorious Bastards, and it had Brad Pitt, and it said, Brad Pitt is barely in this movie. And this was marketed as a Brad Pitt movie. Yeah, that doesn't really bother me, but it's... top build actor. Yeah, it just shows that... I really this, enjoyed him in it, though. Yeah, but you could have just... He, he was away, He was apart from the movie. Gorlammy. Yeah, he's uh, he's interesting, but I think that whole... Uh, the Nazi hunters, it just... It didn't jive with the rest of the movie. I thought it was cartoonish, and the whole movie was cartoonish. Yeah, but then the end, just kind of, like you said, it... Mexican standoff. Yeah, and uh, 
I guess my favorite part of the movie is when they're in the, uh, I guess, is it a bar or a pub? Yeah, this is called the Mexican pub. standoff. Uh, no, I'm thinking the... the oh, thing. when they're still in England? Yeah, yeah. When when they're in a when they're having their their very tense moment in the bar midway through the movie, oh. that's my favorite scene in the movie. Okay, two two things about this movie. One, Christoph Waltz slays in this movie. Yes, He's so yes. good. It and brought everyone's attention to him. It, it, it it's the whole movie. If Christoph Waltz wasn't as good as he is in this movie, this movie would suck. Very evil and despicable. Um, and it, like that He's role, really good in a really hard to that, act role. Yeah, I was gonna say that role is like impossible. Like he killed an impo- he did he was the michael jordan he was the he michael was jordan psychotic thing. and charismatic all at once okay good villain. the second thing is is instead of tim roth the bear jew was supposed to be played by adam sandler and i i wish that would have happened because wow, i just don't i, I don't no even idea. understand i have no idea how that would have looked yeah. fast bender's really good in this movie too uh, i did like the introduction of the bear jew that opening scene um, when they drag him into the pit and everything, I like that scene's good. This is like, I think this is another movie where the heights of the movie are all top, but there are some big valleys. Deep valleys, yeah. I'm yeah. Kevin. All right, Kevin. All right, from Dust Till Dawn. That's that was my other one. I was thinking, what? Go, ooh, what? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, <laughs> Dust from Dust Till Dawn. Positives. It's really fun. Yep. Uh, Cheech Marin is the best in this movie. Yep. Uh, and uh, Harvey Keitel rules in this movie. Yep. The negatives mi- minuses foot rape. The there's <laughs> there is literally the creepiest foot fetish scene written into a movie of all time. Yep. Where Salma Hayek does like a strip tease, sticks her foot in Quentin Tarantino's mouth, and pours liquor into it. I get why. Knowing he did it. he's a foot fetishist, that is. And he wrote it to make he, her do that. Yeah, he wrote that that's, into the movie. You know what, guys? Cool. I'm going to write this in there because guess what? I fucking want it, You man. know, it's a popcorn and toenails movie. No, this is this is sexy. <laughs> this is sexy, and this is what Fuck I think mouse. is sexy. I think America's going to rally around right. this, man. All right, at this point, though, I, hey, think, what about the little I think this is when that needs to be What about that little kid in the movie uh, who didn't act in anything else, and he's terrible in the movie? <laughs> Dude... <laughs> The Asian kid. He's awful. Get him out of oh, here. Oh, radio from the Goonies? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. uh, That's funny because I was going to do a you funny round eye joke. So yeah. congratulations. All right. Um, I love all four of these movies that are left. Yep, that's uh, why I had but, to that one. But, uh, but I'm going to go with Kill Bill as my elimination at this point because it's the one that I think if I you asked me to watch one of these four movies, it's the one I'd pick last. It's close, though. Um I like Kill Bill one. It's cool. It's it's a uh, it's hyper stylized, super violent. It's kung fu action, but uh, it's it's a uh, it's pointless without the second movie, in my opinion. So it is half a movie. It's That's like agree. It's, I agree. It's so for me, like I just can't take it over any of these complete. So much fun to watch because the other two are very complete. I don't get any more eliminations. It's like really sad because I like. I have a strong opinion about this, too. I have a strong opinion, too, but I think it's going to go the way we want it to. Okay, Eric. So these are uh, also my top three Tarantino movies. These, This is the... If I think if you made me make a top three, it would be these three and then Kill Bill as a whole. So I think we've done fine. Yeah, I would agree. um, Here's my my elimination. And you can... I feel like any one of these is going to anger someone. I'm going to eliminate True Romance. And that's because... You don't like Christian Slater and you're a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I, I liked it better if, if you... don't you were, have any respect for Tony Scott's grave. If you if you imagined that this was just a sequel to Cuffs, it would have been better. No. Um, first off... Or a prequel to Broken Arrow. Gary Oldman in this movie <laughs> yes. is the top of the tops. Drexel? I love Drexel so much. 
I want, I want, like, still, he's still alive. Just give me a Drexel movie. Dude, the first time I saw it, I was young and I was like, "There's some what weird, is going on? There's some weird stuff going on in this movie. Val Kilmer as the, like, Elvis mentor. Uh, <laughs> Michael Rappaport. <laughs> oh, which I hate Michael Rappaport. That's probably playing into it. Uh, Gandolfini's good, too, in this movie. Yeah, as um, Virgil. I feel like it's just missing the Tarantino directing and the random Tarantino cameo. I think that it's not snappy like a Tarantino no, movie No, and it's be. also... Uh, this Christopher, uh, Christopher. Um, <laughs> I think if Tarantino directed the script, it would have been like ten minutes shorter. Christian, Christian Slater, Slater, thank you. Christian Slater don't, is. Uh, don't talk bad about Christian Slater. No, he's me. got like three really solid movies. Kevin Broken Arrow, what's up? No, um, he's got three movies that I just love him in, and this is one of them. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yell at him about this. This the other one is the Vampire. Pump up the volume. Pump up the volume. Yeah. And Zoolander cameo. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Richard Grieco, isn't it? Oh wait, that's a different movie. Uh, okay. All right, Kevin, Kevin Kingmake. Is it going to be Pulp Fiction or Django? All right, I'm eliminating Pulp Kevin. Fiction. Oh, all right. Oh, I would have gone the other way on this one, so let's let's have a discussion. I would have too, but I'm okay with it. Uh, I feel like in much the same critique that you had for Reservoir Dogs, the individual uh, story components of Pulp Fiction are enjoyable, but when you blend the whole thing together, I think in some ways it weakens it. Um, I get the disjointed timeline, and I appreciate what was being done, but you're asking me to compare, and these are my top two Tarantino movies, so picking one over the other is difficult. What? Uh, so, instead of talking about why Pulp Fiction doesn't win, I want to talk about why Django does for me. Yeah, that's fine. Either way, you can do it however you want. Uh, Django's opening scene is one of my favorite scenes in a movie, so... Uh, Specifically, uh, up to the point where they introduce uh, the doctor, uh, uh, Chris, the way Christopher it's... Waltz is introduced, uh, what you gentlemen could do, it, just the whole like uh, giving him the choice, and then that entire calm setup. down. I'm just a weary traveler. <laughs> it was so good. You immediately knew everything that was happening and there's a lot of those moments i feel like uh dicaprio's amazing everything we said about Christ christoph waltz in inglorious bastards rings true for dicaprio in this movie he is except it also no. rings true for christoph waltz except uh, it's not here's the thing, though, but he's he's despicable ever... and he's so charming you know who's even more despicable and does a great job in this movie yes. uh, Sam Jackson. Jackson. L. Jackson. oh my goodness oh my gosh doing doing a yeoman's work um this movie takes on a subject that people are completely uncomfortable taking on and does it in a manner that is both tongue-in-cheek and not it's I don't know, this this movie really, I think, was a challenging movie to write in a way that wasn't going to be unappealing. It would have been very easy to make this movie just bone unwatchably awkward. And Nathan's got your boy Walton Goggins in it, you love so much. Yeah, Jonah Hill is, Jonah Hill in this movie with the, the baghead guys. Yeah. I thought that's like my least and favorite double part. Double X, oh, doing I, really well. I love James Remar in a double role. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, firing on the clan rally. It's super good. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in for Pulp Fiction just a sec, though. Okay, um, Sam ja Sam Jackson in that Dude. movie uh, is this Jerry Curl wig. I mean, I will. He's playing such a despicably evil character in this too. He's so great. <laughs> He's um, so good. I just like. There's just so many cool 
I don't know. It, you're right, Kevin. It is like seven different, um, you know, narrative sequences. The prologue, the prelude, the... You know, there's like there's seven different parts of this movie. And there's three storylines that they switch back and forth between. But I thought it was it was cool because it's, you know, it's told non-chronologically. Um, which is... And it's not in a way that is... It's not like Memento where they just... It, this movie would suck if they showed it in order. No, but I feel like it was Dunkirk... Where it's a little disjointing for a reason that doesn't pay off. The the storylines being out of sequence, I, like I understand how it's supposed to pay off with the ending with Vega and everything. I like the circular narrative. Like I think that's actually yeah, like I, a, a, a huge plus. And it me. wasn't something that audiences had seen a ton of. That's true. When it came out, that's which, very true. Which I I for me it just didn't add to the movie. It didn't subtract from it. It just didn't add to it. What's, and what's in that briefcase, man? Again. <sighs> Innocence. I will say, I think this is either a four and a half. I think it's a four and a half out of five for me. This is a really highly rated movie for it me. It might be a five for me. Um, the only scene in this movie that I don't care for is Bruce Willis and his lady friend talking on the bed. I felt like I wish that would have just gone away. There were some... I think uh, Bruce Willis' storyline had some of the worst scenes. Well, what about the wolf, dude? The wolf is the best. <laughs> the wolf is the best. Uh, Harvey Keitel is amazing <laughs> 15 minutes away. I'll be there Phil, in 10. Phil Lamar, too, as the Marvin. The... So, pretty please, with sugar on top, clean the fucking cock. <laughs> I quote that movie uh, at least once every three weeks. Of course I know it's good coffee. It's my fucking coffee. No, if at work someone will be like, we did it. And I'll be like, let's not start sucking each other's dicks just yet, gentlemen. <laughs> Well, what's the, the, there's another great quote from this movie um, that we can I'm, say. I'm about to say we can't talk about we can't talk about the sign on the lawn. Did you see the sign when he came in? <laughs> Don't Jimmy me, Jules. <laughs> of course I know. No, the one where he answered where Samuel Jackson answers the phone. No, shit, that's all you had to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think I say, I think I say something like that. <laughs> Every other. As I, I mean, obviously, I just obviously, it was some cold or... shit to say before you iced the motherfucker. <laughs> As Kevin and I like to talk about endlessly on our uh, John Travolta podcast, we do um, that he's a terrible actor. That he is so good in this movie, though. Yeah, it's and and Kevin will say that he's doing John Travolta, but when he when he's messing with Bruce Willis in yes. the bar, it's it just shows like it 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 kind of cashes in this. This uh, thing that's going to happen later in the movie. Honey buddy, be cool, honey buddy. Be cool, honey buddy. <laughs> Travolta, Travolta What's took... What's his name? Yelena. Yolanda! <laughs> Travolta took... Someone says bad motherfucker on it. <laughs> Travolta took that role, the Vega role, for 100k uh, because he was trying to revitalize his yeah, career. Yeah, because he didn't want yeah. to do a Look Who's Talking 5. Yeah. That's not a joke either. What, a, what an awesome thing to do. Like, way to go, him. Yeah. And they, they uh, worked in the... That was the, the right move. Yeah, they worked in the the Really got him that dancing. collateral to do Battlefield Earth. Oh, and there's no and there's, arrow. there's no score in this movie either. And uh, be the bad guy from the Punisher. He uses he uses just a bunch of like surf surf rock. Dick and Dale, rock Link yeah, Ray, Dick Dale and the Deltones, really really good. Link Ray is in this film, uh, the musical Link Ray, but he's not on the soundtrack. Uh, Chuck Berry. It was a teenage wedding. And that the was old folks the first time I heard wedding. that. I had two Chuck Berry tapes as a kid. Never had heard that song before. Nice. So it was really cool. Yeah, the the I would say Pulp Fiction established what Tarantino is. When you think about his style, this movie's immersed in it. For me, Django Unchained is the ideal form of that style. I think that's where it was executed in a perfect way. So I was happy with either of these two movies winning. I love them both. 
Um, yeah, I don't. I didn't really. I don't feel like you could have picked wrong here. I just. I just would have picked. Um, For once, we finally get the last three all together. I respect that. Um, so, uh, do you have a strong opinion about what your favorite Tarantino movie is? Do you think that we should have? I think a lot of people are going to be mad that we didn't have Inglorious Bastards go farther. I think that's going to be the con- controversial. Uh, let pick. me ask you this: How come you didn't Bring uh, it. put a? What's the other movie he wrote? Uh, Natural Born Killers. Because um, he only wrote the story, he didn't write the screen. Got right. it. And also, I would have eliminated it first. Because you don't like Woody Harrelson? <laughs> I don't like that. I don't think that movie's that good. I It's... Real talk. Like, it's I, weird. I, I it's think a, that it's com- a 90s MTV movie, if I've ever seen one. Um, it's just... I just think I it's... I might have eliminated Heath Lee first. Um, t- Tarantino himself said, I hate that... I hated that fucking movie. If you like my stuff, don't watch that movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, I mean... You got it, Quentin. It's a direct quote from Quentin Tarantino. So that's why... That's another so reason... So how you really feel, Quentin. That's why I re- another reason I didn't d- didn't include it. It's a popcorn movie. It's for the kids. It's popcorn. Natural Born Killers. <laughs> Dude, if you let your kids watch Natural Born Killers, like, please let me know how that goes for you. I'm very curious. Keep them out of our schools. All right. For Kevin Garber, for Chronic Drink your drugs. Will, don't do milk. We will see you next week. Gox.